Come stop and take a trip down on my block Where you see hidden potential Young minds sharper than pencil And ain't afraid to speak their mind If they got something against you We standing with you We tackle issues like civic pride Hate will cease to exist Let's put our differences aside From my side to your side From Dutch Town to South Side From Penrose to North Side From Benton Park to Old North The West End, the West Side We bless when we step out We stand down, rise up Stand together, wise this is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. This program is a special edition of Stitchcast Studio called The Why of My City and is funded by Missouri Humanities Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. Funding for this grant is provided by the CARES Act and the National Endowment for the Humanities. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Awesome sauce with gravy. My name is Integrity. This is an awesome time we're having this morning. This is a special Stitchcast Studio podcast. We got some dope guests. We got some monarchs in the house. Um, we're going to take a second and go around and have you guys introduce the world to, to your awesomeness, if you don't mind, starting with Timothy to my left. My name is Timothy. Uh, I go by Who Is Timothy. Um, I do a variety of things, but mostly being a producer and an engineer. And then uh, I'm an artist as well. A uh, musician, multi-instrumentalist, uh, and things of that nature. Everything in the above, as well as an amazing father. All that good stuff. You just welcome the new baby into the world, right? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. awesome, man. Fatherhood is amazing. And then we have the amazing Finsta to my right. Hey, what's you going care, on? Care to introduce the world to your awesomeness? Okay. Hey, world. <laughs> I have some awesomeness. Awesomeness with some gravy, uh, <laughs> side of rice. You know, some I chicken. Like, yeah, you know. No, but um, I'm Finsta from uh, Authentic Marketing Promotion, Camp St. Louis, everywhere. What I do is music, period. Market, period. <laughs> Promotion, period. All of that good stuff, man. <laughs> I met Finsta a while ago, man, on a, on a tour we were doing for the Extreme Institute. And I didn't know who he was, but I can tell by the respect everybody had for him around me. I'm like, this dude's important. I want to know who he is. So, <laughs> so grateful that you guys were able to be here, man. Um, this is a special edition of our Stitchcast studio. We're going to be talking about the richness of music here in St. Louis, man. The, the, the music, like anytime you go to an open mic here, anytime you go to any type of event that's just the raw talent of our city, you can just feel the richness in the environment. And I think that our city, you know, we have so much to offer. I mean, not even just hip hop, you know, even though, you know, most my, my genre is hip hop. And I know, Timothy, you did and that with hip hop here and there. But like even just across the spectrum, you know what I mean? We have so much richness here. So based on you guys experience from just being in St. Louis, being very active in the music scene, um, starting with whoever want to take the question, where do you think St. Louis musicians and artists draw their inspiration from? The internet. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like social media or? The internet, like all of it, for real. I mean, social media, their friends and stuff, obviously, but everybody's YouTubing certain things. So mm -hmm. if they hear something, it's more accessible nowadays mm -hmm. than ever to ask Siri what something is mm -hmm. and like to identify samples or whatever the case may be, you know, the internet's just a wealth of resources. Yeah, no doubt. I, I completely agree. I mean, when you think about it, like the artists back in the day, they didn't have access to all that amazingness from the internet. 
So I guess the originality had to bleed through. I mean, sampling was happening, but you didn't have Siri, you didn't have Google as as access that we have now. Or Rhyme Zone. Or Rhyme Zone. <laughs> shh, shh, don't tell nobody. <laughs> Why does this count, man? You get major artists on, on major scales using Rhyme Zone. I mean, it's just it's a dope resource, you know what I'm saying? What you think, Finster? Where you think artists from St. Louis draw their uh, inspiration from? Well, since I'm a little older, <laughs> and uh, school us young bucks. <laughs> I, I could just give you a, a vast uh, realm of from back then to now, and mm-hmm. you already took care of the now already, Timothy. But um, a lot of it that I noticed from a lot of guys comes from camaraderie, mm. from where we come from, and from back in the day when everybody didn't have. Uh, real internet, they had dial-up, maybe. <laughs> AOL. <laughs> right, Take AOL. So long. Yeah, man. And it was, back then, we used to go around, we used to be, it was like the frontier, the final frontier, mm-hmm. to be exact. Yeah. And we used to go around and hang out at, at spots and hang out and see who was rapping just to see what they were rapping about. Yeah. You know, and it got to a point it wasn't always about battling. It was more about displaying the talent. Yeah. And from that point, it was you learn more about other people, and you learn more that you heard about people's techniques. Yeah. And you heard this guy was this guy was super crazy when it came to freestyles, or this dude pen was ill. Mm, yeah. You know. Yeah. And it went from there to um, to open mics to performing. Um, to a certain degree with performances that kind of came out mm-hmm. and uh, kind of flourished in uh, certain parts of the city yeah. more than others. And of course, the open mic started. Yeah. You know, me being, you know, the uh, founder of High Point. Yeah. It oh, was, you, you founded that? Yeah. I'm learning so much about Finster every day, yo. Like, <laughs> who are you? You know what I'm saying? Um, Wow. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I remember I used to hear that on the radio. High Point Cafe every Monday. We do it live on 9-5. Right. You remember that? A little bit, yeah. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, basically, it pretty much started from a um, kind of like an improv Monday night at High Point mm-hmm. to where uh, Haran, his guy, his group, he had a group called Fat Trash, crazy name. And um, That is a crazy name. Yeah. There was only two of them, and uh, him, um, who else was with us? My crew was with us, Ruckus crew was with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all just, you know, hung out. He just came up there, and it was, you know, a few guys performing or whatever. But my mind started turning a different way when I started looking at the ambiance of the room. Mm-hmm. And it turned into, um, yo, we could turn this into, like, some real, wow. real, wow. like, hip-hop stuff right here. because. Everybody that was there pretty much was in the community at the time. Yeah. And some people were new to the community, so it was mm-hmm. a good melting pot on uh, learning different artists or, you know, seeing people rap and, uh, you know, you know, conveying their lyrics yeah. like they were. So that turned into um, the high point after about a month or so, because I was like, we got nobody hosting. Right. And then I, I host DJ, DJ K9, and it was mm-hmm. uh, DJ Expo. And okay. Expo had, had a really, really, really bad accident mm. um, the next week. And uh, he couldn't come up there to DJ, so it was K9 by itself. But mm-hmm. then that's when Charlie Chan was called. Soprano, sure. he yeah. got called in. 
And me and Charlie and my crew and his crew, we all used to bounce around doing Monday nights yeah. at certain spots. And that started kind of like our thing. And then we, we were at you know, other no-name spots. And then one spot that we actually started garnering a lot more steam was uh, Cicero's at the time. Cicero's, okay. Yeah. That's and, on uh, Del Mar Loop, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, RIP to that. You but, know, you know. And then uh, after that, uh, that, that got shut down, and then we went, uh, we just went bouncing around, just doing regular stuff, and then that night came up. Yeah. And when Charlie showed up, <laughs> when we was there, we all looked at each other like, it's about to pop off. <laughs> and from that night, we soared. That was before even Radio, even before Radio 1 was in town. Wow. So by February, uh, Rear Front Times came and did an article on us, and they put us on the front page. Mm -hmm. And uh, then that next, when that came out Wednesday, that next Monday, we were at capacity. Wow. We were at capacity. And that turned into a whole different thing. So I I formulated the High Point Cafe in yeah. freestyle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I kind of use I was kind of using my marketing. And even though I wasn't fully in the marketing then. Yeah, it was possible. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was using my brain to to kind of figure out what could I do to make something stick in people's brain, but also make them understand mm -hmm. the brand and everything at that yeah. time. Yeah. And that's where I came up with the with the uh, High Point Cafe every Monday. Man, look, I remember that. I used to hear it on the radio all the time. And when you talk about like seeing lyricists and, and artists who, who had a dope pen game, do you think like a lot of the battle rappers, like on the battle rap scene, since we're talking about the richness of St. Louis, we can't leave out the battle rap. Do you think a lot of the battle raps the rappers, like who has the big names right now, kind of blossom from that? Or did you see anybody who were kind of sharpening their gift during that time at the High Point Cafe? Definitely. Who who can you say for sure? Young Ill, number okay, one. Okay, okay. And then, uh, who else came through? Young Ill, uh, Big Will, Tef Poe. Dope. Yeah, Dope. all those guys. Uh, I'm trying to think, was uh, Verb there? Okay. Verb did, he did radio with us a few times. That's that was up. dope. So he came in right after the time everybody started, when radio came in the city. Yeah. When radio, uh, radio One came in. And uh, he jumped in there. And then uh, Holla came through. Uh, I'm trying to think of everybody's name. Wow. Uh, oh, Oops, of course. Oops, yep. Yeah. <laughs> oops. I, I, Shout I still, out, Oops. I still remember Oops, like, first like time at the high point because he came to the high point and he was new, he, and he was a South Sider like us, but yeah. he had oops cutting his hair, <laughs> like from the from the side all the way to the back. And oh, I was like, everybody was like, "Oops!" <laughs> hey, that's and marketing. But, yeah, but and he got on the mic and he's fast. Hey. He's fast. <clears throat> I don't think a lot of people. Well, I know we we definitely made our dent in the game. People understanding that St. Louis does have a very thriving battle rap scene. You know what I mean? When you think about, you know, the smash and and even um, what's the one with the guy uh, that uh, T-Dub was on a lot? Um, the guy with the uh, Juicilla, is that his name? Juicilla? He's the one that uh, did the the battle rap with uh, Street Status. Street Status, oh. that's what I'm thinking about. Oh, like, oh yeah. They got, they, they got some big names out there, man. Like I seen some dope battle raps, like, and these are St. Louis artists. I'm talking about ripping people to shreds. You know what I mean? So I think that's definitely a part of our culture. And who knows, it, it blossomed from, most of it blossomed from the High Point Cafe. I didn't even know Fencer started that. <laughs> um, 
thank you for stopping through being a part of the combo. E, you want to introduce yourself to the world? Yep, I'm Emira, program director at Story Stitchers. Uh, pleasure to be here. She, she's going to say it lightly, but she's an artist, engineer, <laughs> producer, entrepreneur. She, when, me and Timothy was just talking. She's a shoehead as well. Um, so thank you for being a part of the conversation, E. Sure, thank um, you. Just thinking about like the music industry in its totality as a whole, and you look at people like, I, I, I use Master P for an example, how he took his record label and he was able to grow that into a multi-billion, probably billion dollar empire. Um, what would it take for artists here in St. Louis, Timothy, and I know you work with a lot of artists as well, just on the instrumentation standpoint and producing and mastering. What would it take for, for St. Louis artists to get that camaraderie to even put out records at that level? You know what I mean? How Master P, he had like eight different records out at, the, at one time. You know what I mean? If not more. So what would it, what would it take for, for St. Louis to have that camaraderie to put out a record or even have a, a record exec to do that? What, what what do you think? And everybody can chime in on that question. I mean, obviously I'm, my default answer nowadays in most capacities is gonna be the internet because it's making most of the <laughs> stuff happen. Um, however, I know just from, you know, the limited knowledge I have of Masterpiece uh, upcoming, mm -hmm. like he made his first million off of a few different things, but yep. one of the main things was selling like actual CDs out of his trunk. So, the the actual person-to-person uh, -person interaction you have when you sell something physical mm -hmm. um, is way different than when you do buy it offline. Mm. So yeah. I think if people actually have the more face-to-face -face interaction and you know people actually understand what they're selling more mm -hmm. instead of just pushing out a single and, and streaming it, um, I think that's going to help catapult people. Actually, there is a. Ryan Leslie, you guys familiar with him? I love Ryan Leslie. So Ryan Leslie did a project, which, you know, he's a Hartford grad and a whole bunch of other stuff, but he did a project that the actual sales was only like 10,000, but he made a million off of, yeah. uh, off of the fact that he actually was connected very well with his fan base through uh, Superphone, which is an app he made or whatever. But it just goes to show that depending on what you upsell, whether it be events, tickets, um, you know, whatever it is that you end up monetizing mm -hmm. that's that's really how you you know catapult yourself to the next level is by monetizing what you have and then you know furthering to go on and marketing it to where it appears bigger and, and then grows bigger to what you're projecting and right. master p had that you know he had the streets and then he had people you know also i'll say master p specifically was really good about his street team stuff yeah because he used to send i was working at one studio and we got a whole bunch of i, I didn't even know no limit was still doing stuff it's back when Romeo was trying to be more involved mm -hmm. um, musically but they sent like this whole box of just free um like promo and stickers and stuff like that yeah and you know there's not a lot of people taking the time and capital to invest in the actual physical marketing so it kind of comes yeah. back to if people were to take the, the internet influence and then tie it in with the physical mm -hmm. capacity of humanity that, you know, you feel a sticker and then you recognize this is a brand yeah. and you can connect with it visually and then other people see it. I think that for the artists that I do know that have more of a buzz mm -hmm. uh, nationally from St. Louis, yeah. they do pretty good at, at having that to where, you know, I know multiple people that have their hats or that have certain, <clears throat> certain physical things. It's funny that you say that. And Finster, I'm going to move to you next. I remember I was I was out with my brother and we were getting something to eat and we were sitting on the parking lot of this club. And I happened to look over and I see this guy putting flyers on cars. 
And I looked a little further, and it was Finster. And I say, what's up, Finster? And, and the crazy thing is, you don't see people, you know, putting their brand out there anymore. I remember back in the day, Tide Tight. You remember Tide Tight? You used to see Tide Tight symbols on everything, you, on mailboxes, cars. You walk in stores, and they're on the, the, uh, the placard board. You know what I mean? The cork board. Like, you used to see them everywhere. And I think that, that that is somewhat of a dying art. People feel like maybe you can put a flyer out on Facebook and think that your event is going to pop or your album is going to sell. And, Fencer, you can probably attest to this. It takes a lot more than that, right? Yeah. Um, to answer your question and to start is uh, the things that need to, the people need to make them flourish. Well, two things he mentioned, Timothy already mentioned, was mm -hmm. capital, number one. Yeah. The other one is infrastructure. Um, and then the last one is um, discipline. Mm. That's going to be the thing because I've dealt, of course, with many labels, with many artists, with many record execs. And when it comes down to it, the bare bones of it is those three things because the infrastructure, meaning the people that have the knowledge to move and a plan accordingly and to execute. Mm. The capital means, of course, you got to be able to have the money the backing, the investment yeah. to push everything that you dream. Yeah. Turn that dream into reality. It's gonna take the it's gonna take the discipline to yeah. get all that stuff to go forward. Yeah. That's good, man. Um like I think discipline is probably the the one of the if not the most important component because so you can commit to making the album or commit to launching a project or commit to to creating something great. But that same attitude that you had when you committed to that is the same attitude that you gotta have to continue to push forward. Cause you might wake up tomorrow and you don't feel like, you know what I mean, working on some new schemes for your design. Or you don't feel like breaking out your notepad on your phone and writing to a beat that you know has been sitting in your phone for a while. But that same attitude and that commitment that you made, that same attitude you had when you first originally made that commitment um, you got to keep it throughout, you know what I mean? Emira, you're an artist. Um, like whenever you're experiencing something like writer's block or if you just you just don't feel like it, but you know you got to meet a deadline, what do you do to help you stay in the, the mind state to say, no matter how I feel, no matter what my emotions are telling me, how do you get out of that to, to continue to push forward to get the project completed? Yeah, well, recently I just kind of um, figured out that once I write something in my planner, then I'm more likely to do it. Like once I write it down, instead of just having it in my mind and saying like, oh, I'm gonna do this at this time, you know, if I write it down, then it'll make me, it'll force me, you know, to actually like follow through and do it. Like, like even if it's just like practicing my guitar, like writing that down, even if it's not that day, the next morning, it's like I'm on it because it's like I wrote this down and I was supposed to do it, but I didn't do it. So I'm I'm going to do it right now. Like, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So for me, that's kind of how I've, how I've, you know, prioritized my time and how I've kind of, you know, sat down and really analyzed, you know, what it is that I need to put time into, you know. Yeah. And like you said, if you make a if you make a commitment, especially if you put it, put it out <laughs> on social media, that you finna drop an album or you finna, you know, drop yeah. a single or I'm gonna drop this rap video. Like, it's like, you gotta do that. It's out there Like, now. you can't, ain't no, 
ain't no going back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unless it's like some for real technical difficulties. Yeah. Like if something went bad with the distribution or something. But yeah. other than that, it's like you ain't you ain't got no excuses to be honest. So, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I've seen I've seen it time and time again where artists will say, you know what I mean, my release date is this. And then, you know, you get the infamous, well, things happen. I had to push the release date back. And you wonder how that looks and how that appears to your fan base. You know what I mean? Especially if they were considering getting that that music or that project or that product or whatever you're gonna put out. Do you lose valuable fans or do you lose valuable market share? You know what I mean? It's a tough situation to be in. We're gonna switch gears a little bit. Actually, real quick before oh, you do, I know because you, I think anytime you bring up, especially in this type of environment, Master P, like that's an, that's a very weird case study. Yeah. And not to go too much further, but like um, something that's like practical as far as what I've seen artists do that I work with. Um, you know, Master P had a lot of stuff going on, but the entrepreneurial aspect was the main thing people over, you know, overlook. And then also just his follow through, like this man actually became an NBA player. Yeah. <laughs> he, play, he played in the NBA, like not too many people, people can say that and switch those type of industries. Yeah. Um, but I say all that to say, you know, artists nowadays obviously struggle with, ca you know, capital and stuff. But because of, you know, yet again, the Internet, you can have physical products without mm -hmm. putting any money down. Uh, a client of mine via Teespring, I had an artist consultation with them, which I give you know free at the end of any bigger project that people do with me. Um, and I told him about Teespring, and he converted a thousand sales of a twenty dollars T-shirt. Wow! From a design, That's and so good. he only spent twenty dollars for his personal T-shirt because I said you may want to go ahead and buy one so people know it's actual thing and you have pictures with it. But from there, you know, he made his whole all his whole project money back from. A physical product being sold not the music but it is to back the music yeah and um you know that's that's one way yet again like the internet is just people master p was making it work back in the day when we didn't have those resources um so i mean nowadays if people really don't make it work to some capacity it's yeah. really just because they don't they they lack creativity and then also the follow-through to actually you know, nowadays you can, you can literally, the same way people rip templates for DAWs and things like that, you can rip people's templates of business yeah. people that work in artists. Yep. You know, especially if it's in your same genre, in your same city. If it works for them, you can at least try it. You, you know? can at least try it. I mean, if you don't try it, you will never know if you would succeed. But yeah, I just, when you said Master P, is uh, like my you know, brain was still running, trying to figure out. Uh, the dude's dope, though. Like, he's got, like, even now, he's got red beans and rice. He's got... Noodles. Uh, he's got noodles. noodles. He's got pancake syrup. Some pancakes. Overpriced cheese. <laughs> rap snacks, right? The wrap snacks. I think that's a part of the brand. I think Romeo may have, may, may have started that. But just even the aspect, and, and since we still on Master P, I, I want to ask this question to uh, Finster, being in the game for so long and understanding the business. How important is it for artists to understand the business side of the music industry? And does it contribute to their failure or success? Well, I can give you a short answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends on what they want to do, mm. more or less. If you're an artist mm -hmm. and you want to be an artist, leave it at that. Mm. Leave all that other stuff to somebody else that you can depend on and that you can trust to move from a, uh, I guess, a, a administrative capacity mm -hmm. to help you with that because a lot of times you get bogged down when you have too many hats on. Yeah. You get bogged down because if you want to mix 
and master and produce and write and promote and market yeah. and then get out there in the streets, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But understand the one thing that um, a lot of people don't realize is that you can do all of those things, but something is going to be a weak link in that chain. Yeah. And that's what it come down to. So for me, what I what I what I've learned in my years is just if you have a lane that you can rock in, mm-hmm. you you kill that lane. That's good. You know, and your um what you call I, I would say your side hobbies. Yeah. You know, that you can be like you they entertain you. If they are entertaining to you and they don't make you work. It's yeah. more out of the love mm. and it's not like working. Yeah. You can handle those things. But when you have to do one job, two job, career, 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 yeah. it becomes it becomes a, a, a headache in, in the long run because you have to you have to keep switching gears in your head. And some people can be can can do most of these things. Yeah. But you gotta understand the timeline that you're dealing with. Yeah. And you gotta realize that somebody else can be helping you. What's up, y'all? You know what time it is. It's time right now for our Pick the City Up art interlude, featuring original song, written, recorded, and produced by Integrity and KP Dennis, titled What's Your Why? Decision 2020, see who giving. Ain't no competition. We St. Louis story stitching. Surviving through the system, using rhythm, saving lives. Let go your ego, just be humble, homie. Take advice. I'ma make a good life for myself. Try to help somebody else. Gotta get out of this prison of poverty. Get a grind, try to build some wealth. I'm loving some meals, so happy. I'm telling them why. Ain't nobody a star, but let's be up in the sky. And I gotta be useful, be fruitful, and multiply. Why got my city? I never gonna let them divide. We fly, better catch that drip, double do zigzags, have a boss like that. It is so rough. You can join in the fan club, you can stand up, but you fall back, wait for it, blow up. Everybody wanna ball like a big dog. This is it, y'all, watch for the pitfall. Get the squad up, let me make a quick call. I ain't running, I'ma walk up and get them all. Be yourself, cause the world is only one of you. Don't talk it, walk it, do what you wanna do. I love the life I lead, on everything is fine. But we don't know until we are until we find out. So clever, we paint a vivid picture. We molding Chuck Berry, sweetie pies, and red fox. Molding fitted caps and cardinal birds on your red socks. Come stop and take a trip down on my block. Where you see hidden potential, young minds sharper than Ginsu. And ain't afraid to speak their mind if they got something against you. We standing with you, we tackle issues like civic pride. Hate will cease to exist, let's put our differences aside. From 
from my side to your side, from Dutch Town to South Side, from Penrose to North Side, from Benton Park to Old North to West End to West Side. We bless when we step out, we stand down, rise up, stand together, wise up. good <clears throat> timothy you probably know this for sure like you do a lot man from videography to mixing to mastering to editing to uh instrumentation you sing um and one wise person said if you do what you love for a living it's, it's like you never work a day in your life you right. know what i mean so does it ever feel like that you're you're working or does it just feel like you're just doing what you love to do nah it's work sometimes <laughs> so i mean i'm i'm blessed to you know coming off of you know quarantine and stuff my studio has pretty much been at capacity anytime i'm available personally to be booked and then the other engineers people are booking out too but uh, i say that coming off of a 16 hour day yesterday actually like 16 real hours working with clients non-stop um it's definitely a job but i think with that comes knowing how to be efficient. That's something that people overlook because when you get, when you're emotionally tied to enjoying what you do, you can spend hours on it and not care. But if you actually quantify, that's kind of going back to what you were talking about infrastructure and systems. Um, if you look at your time as, you know, a return on investment and actually calculate how much time am I putting into this? Like when I'm developing a new skill, like uh, the video stuff, I just sold my first, <clears throat> my first big package is like, I think 1500 bucks or so which is a lot to like, so the independent artist, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I, this is my first like major, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. music video I'm personally doing yeah. and not using anybody else. So um, just by even doing that, like I've put a specific amount of hours into researching each dynamic. And I just came off for the whole last year, the campaign of doing one song. Yep. So last year I'll make this short, but yeah, I, talk, I was going to say, talk a little bit yeah, about yeah. that. You released one song every month for the whole year, right? Right. And it was like self-produced, meaning like everything, every instrument from the ground up, no samples, um, different genres, like from actual R&B to like actual post-hardcore metal. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of more so just show off what I could do. And then I was still producing for other people, yeah. um, you know, because I do it for a living and playing out as a living. So, I mean, that took a big, that took a lot of planning and followed through. Yeah. And um, I think I spent like $23,000 on the whole thing. Wow. But, you know, that's essentially the same amount some people spend for like a two-year college degree. Yeah. Mm. So throughout that process, I learned what it need, you know, what pe people as artists need on that side. It's the tuition you pay for learning. Yeah. And then, you know, I picked up a lot of uh, resources and just from doing that project, I already made my money back from people that seen my work and then hired me like to do the same thing for them. Yeah. I would say too, the 10,000 um, hour rule, it's not it's not the rule you have to abide by, but I think it, in most industries, it kind of gives you a stamp of approval regardless if you went to school for it. Yep. So I think anything that you, when you talk about outsourcing, if you're an artist and serious, you need to outsource anything that you're not close to that 10,000 rule on. Yeah. So even on things that I do for clients, if I don't 
if I don't, uh, I just did a reggaeton album um, for this guy. And that was, that's not, I don't do it all the time. You know, yeah. I don't have 10,000 hours reggaeton. I've only done one other album when I was in Texas. Mm -hmm. So I sent it to another DJ and I had him, you know, he sent me back a list of which ones to, to speed up or slow down to fit the mix speeds of the DJs that are actually playing that type of music. Yeah. So you got to draw on your resources of people that have done it more than you and people that you look up to, but also people that have the results. You know, you don't yeah. want to be following people that inspire you, but they don't actually, they can't pay, they can't pay for their own project. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they've been doing it for 20 years. Like, no offense, but I, I just don't want to be yeah. following those type of people. That's good, man. Um, and that actually leads me into my next my next question. I hear people say a lot, your net worth is uh, in direct relation to your network, who you network with. And you talked about collaboration. Um, and any of you guys can answer this question. How important is it for St. Louis artists to collaborate, even, even outside genre, you know, crossing genre? How important is it to contribute to the richness of the music here? Like, Whenever you think about artists collaborating, if you got like even even just thinking about one of the monarch people from St. Louis, Nelly, how he collaborated and, and did some country stuff. How important is that for our city to collaborate with artists, not just in your genre, but outside your genre to continue to see things flourish? I would say from a youth perspective, um, it's very important, like just from working in story stitches not even just like outside of the genre, but with different age groups, you know, learning from people who've been in the game longer than me, you know, just kind of seeing how they flow, how their workflow is, you know, that's a that's a big thing, you know, yeah. for a young musician or a young artist to just kind of get to see that, you know, and know that there's not just this one way you have to do it, you know, yeah. everybody kind of maneuvers different, you know, but it still works, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? So that kind of, I feel like in a way that helps us as young people kind of find ourselves and understand our position and our role in, in the music industry. That's good, that's good, that's good. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I think, like I, I like I like what she said on that. And um, that comes, to me that comes down to networking mm -hmm. and everybody needs to do networking to a degree. Um, the other thing is that from a local standpoint, mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of people have to learn who they are as an artist or as a person mm -hmm. so they can know how to convey to their audience or to, you know, to their cohorts or whoever they yeah. come around. You know what I mean? As long as they know who they are first, I think you will be better off with going to the world because once you, once you create an energy for yourself, yeah. That is pure, mm. and it and it and it, and it transcends like that. People gonna start coming to you regardless. Yeah, you know because if you go like what you said about Nelly, uh, Nelly and them had that was <laughs> that whole situation was um, almost like pulling teeth in the beginning. Yeah, because that that wasn't the idea. Gotcha. Going in. Yeah. The idea going in was. We're gonna be the same lunatics. Right. And it turned into, hey, no, you gotta do this. You gotta do this. And we all gonna push you. Yeah. So we all get behind that one artist in our camp. And everybody, all you gotta do is say these records, bro. Yeah. All you gotta do is say these records. Everybody else back here gonna handle everything else. Yep. And we're gonna go from there. So from that part, I reason why I say that is because a lot of times people get 
social life and networking combined. Yeah. Because you can go out to every single rap producer party, meet and greet, mm -hmm. whatever it is. If there's no, if you're not bringing any value back, you're just being social. Wow. Mm. That's good. <laughs> That's real good. Um, yeah. Just thinking about collaboration, like I've learned so much just from watching you online, watching your presence, even being around E and seeing how, you know, she's working hard to, to be better at playing bass and guitar. And just even even being around you, Fenster, from the first time I ever was like, I'm gonna try to put out a single. Who can I help? Who can I pick their brain? I called Fence. He's like, yeah, man, come through. He sat out at the office. He was honest with me. You know what I mean? And I think I think that's where like having a bunch of yes men around you, that's that can be to your demise. Because you thinking like you got a good product to put out. You thinking like this is the direction you need to go. And you don't consult those collaborations and even have consultations, like you said, with artists. Sometimes you can miss the mark. You know what I mean? Because you got people with all of this different knowledge around you who, who've been in different areas, been in different circles, and they've pulled knowledge in. It's great to be able to to be like a sponge and absorb that. Like even these these spaces right now where we have doing a podcast, when it goes out, you're going to get a young artist or a young marketing person or a young instrument instrumentalist who's going to hear this and they're going to soak it up. They're going to get some seeds from it. You know what I mean? Because when you, when you put that seed out there, you know, it finds a, it finds soil and then it grows. You know what I mean? And just thinking about, like, even I know you mentioned Radio One. Um, thinking about radio in our city. Thinking about um, the DJs in our city. How important is it for artists to collaborate with those DJs? Collaborate with the radio, even though streaming is doing its thing now. Um, you've been on the scene a long time, Finster. How important is that radio aspect still? Does that still have an anchor? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> No, but uh, to a degree, here um, the things you have to learn about radio is um, a portion of those radio employees are the gatekeepers to the industry per se. Yeah. So when you have, like, if you have your record and you want to take it to the radio station and have an actual meeting with them and say, this is my plan on my new single that's leading into my album, in the next six months, mm -hmm. they'll listen to all of that you said. <laughs> and then, okay, what you want from us? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, what do you think I want from you, y'all? Right. I need your support. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> so that turns into, um, okay, let's try to support this artist or uh, we'll put them on Sunday, mm -hmm. see what happens and get a good response. Maybe we'll throw them in the mix show. Yeah. And then after mix show, you either sink or you swim. Ooh. So after mix show is where the real like line is because the line is 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 a is a huge border between being at the being at the uh, the cusp of the industry itself from a industry standpoint. Yeah. And just starting back over and spinning your wheels all over again. I will say, too, when it comes to, like, the whole radio thing, um, it kind of comes back to the real-life aspect of, like, any DJ that's on the radio but also actually at parties or actually playing records. Right. I mean, it's good to get them the records so they can play it in real life. As far as on the radio, 
Uh, radio is driven mostly off of marketing, and a lot of people's marketing is moving more online anyways. Yeah. Uh, people, when it comes to even what you guys listen to, you know, unless if you have a rental and you don't, you know, you just want to listen to the radio, um, or if that's your preference, most people listen to, you know, Spotify or the things on their phone. And to get on like a, a Spotify curators list that Spotify owns is way more valuable nowadays than if they were to play your record on the hour, every hour on any local station because yeah. it's not local and it, it gets to more fan base and then the map's just there usually. You know, a quarter million streams is a thousand dollars. And if you get on a curating playlist, even if your song is not great, just people with scanning that play, uh, or you know, playing your song for 30 seconds, which is yeah. a play technically, it's gonna get you at least a million or two million. So just off of that, like you're gonna get more return on investment. However, when it comes to the gatekeeper aspect that you were talking about, um, a lot of labels because all their content on Spotify is owned by them. They have a percentage of Spotify, so right. now it's moving more to where Spotify is influenced heavily by those labels. So they're moving their influence on radio from just being on radio and controlling that and gatekeeping to being on those larger platforms to where, you know, when they spend their budget on an artist, they can get some of it back immediately just off the streams. And then it also helps the project. It's yeah. good. That's good. You said exactly that was the, that was the next part. <laughs> That guy right there, Timothy, you're the guy. That's, That's exactly what I was going to say after that. But you, 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 fit, you fit the puzzle so perfectly on that. I appreciate that. Thank Great you. minds think alike. <laughs> um, you, you, you guys spoke about streaming. So obviously that's where the industry is not even going there. It's there. You know what I mean? Um, should an artist really be focusing on trying to get on curated playlists? And when it comes to the streaming, should they be worried about trying to go gold or platinum? I know going uh, platinum, I think it's 1.5 billion streams. Should that be the goal? Or should it should, should the focus be um, developing the relationships with the label to probably get you on the playlist? To be honest, uh, from my experience, it's like hitting the lottery if you're going to be getting on one of the curated in the playlist. However, there's a lot of independent playlists that comes down to networking. If you were to inbox these people and say, you have songs or music that matches, well, it's also something where you have to understand where your sound fits. Everybody wants to say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm different than everybody else. That's not completely true because somebody's going to put you in a category. And even sonically, we have apps now where if you play your song, it'll go through and analyze it from how fast it is, what type of rhythms are in it, the tonality qualities, and it'll compare it to another song mm. to where, you know, if you need a mix reference or if you need a category to be put in, you have to be aware of that. Um, because different markets have different exposure, obviously, so you can mm -hmm. scale differently depending on how you're going. Um, yeah, that's much easier than that. Good, man, that's good. Um, to, to add go to ahead, that Pencil. real quick, um, it is one, um, what radio started doing, which they were a little late on, was um, when people started Shazam and everything, mm -hmm. they started using those uh, charts yeah. to more to get a, get a rhythm of the city to, to build an algorithm from. Yeah, so they started doing that uh, about, I think, three or four years ago. And wow. that actually changed. It started, I'm going to give the guy, uh, A-plus actually started. Shout out A-plus. Yeah, he actually got into that and was like, you know what? This is the this is the new thing. And he came up with a whole plan and he introduced it to Radio 1 at the time. Because wow. he wanted to, he wanted to pretty much curate or to to direct the music in five markets at one time. Mm. And he came wow. up with a plan. Wow, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I gotta, oh. I gotta throw this in there too, because you were asking about St. Louis artists 
that have actually went platinum from streaming. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you're, you guys are familiar with Lil Kel. I am. I, yes. I literally only like I became familiar with him when I met him. But um, we got a record that I just produced for him and another local artist. So if they put that out within a certain time, yeah. you know, hopefully, Lord willing, that'll be my first <laughs> my first gold. But he has like three gold uh, records all from streaming and one platinum record from uh, streaming. And, you know, it's real, especially for him. But I also know um, a little bit behind the scenes of how much his team has put into it. Yeah. And they, they definitely use the 90-10 rule, which is putting 90% of your budget into marketing and 10% into the production, which covers yeah. everything from the beat and, you know, mixing and studio time. So um, his team is a little bit more, since his first song, Wrong or whatever, went platinum, his, mm-hmm. his team, even before that, leading up to that, they were, were very intentional about pushing his sound, his looks, his, uh, how he collaborates, who he collaborates with. Mm-hmm all that stuff so even though he's from st louis and you know is still in town a whole lot um you know he his presence online is booming and yeah. all the little kids know who they he know is. who he is man <laughs> yeah. that's good um and speaking about st louis artists we got to take some time and, and pay tribute to, to somebody somebody who we lost a few months ago huey um he, de- he definitely was one of the trendsetters i know as a kid i listened to all of them you know huey jaquan nelly chingy I mean, I listen to all of them, you know what I mean? So um, as an artist, staying connected to your city, um, how important is that? And and what casualties come along with that? Like, I feel like I'm St. Louis till I die. I love my city, even though it can suck sometimes. We all know that. I love my city to the death of me, man. And uh, I couldn't see myself leaving unless my wife said, we got to go, then we got to go, you know, see the boss. Um, how important is it for artists who, who's reached mainstream success to stay connected to their city? And in what capacity? What y'all think about that? Man, well, I got, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a catch 22 with that. Yeah. It's a catch 22. You can be connected with your city and the only downfall would be if you weren't ready, if you had the limelight or you actually built this um, facade of, yo, I'm the greatest since Nelly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you take that and it go to your head, that'll get, that'll change your whole situation in the city. Yeah. Um, to go off of what um, Ice Cube said a long time ago, he, tried, he said he tried to stay in the hood as long as he possibly could. And he got to a point to where he could not stay in the hood because people started coming to his doorstep and dropping off demos and all yeah. that stuff. And people started getting mad at him. So he got, he said he had to move out of there. I totally agree because you got to understand, again, what I said earlier, the more attention you get, the more energy that's going to come your way, yeah. you know? Yeah. And with, with that happening, it makes it, a, it makes it a conundrum for yourself to like, I got I got I got to stay in my city. And that's fine. You stay in your city. Yeah. Just move out to Wildwood or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> for sure. For sure. You know? And then of course you still need to be if you're going like I said earlier, if you're going to be that artist, you got to be that artist. Yeah. If somebody's got to handle your business so you can be continue to be the artist, that needs to happen. So you don't have to do everything. You can be boisterous, you can be seen, but you just have to after so long you have to um, pick and choose where you yeah. need to be or where you should go. 
because you can't, after a while, you can't go anywhere. If you get as big as them, you can't go anywhere. Right. You know, it's hard. Yeah. I would say even with the whole Nelly thing, I mean, if it's if it's really important to rep where you're from, you know, when it pertains to Nelly, and if that's the case, Nelly needs to be rocking Austin, Texas, because that's actually where he's exactly. from, per se. Right. Yeah. So as far as, you know, claiming where you're from, it is important as far as historically and culturally. Um, but a lot of times people do better in cities that they're not from because, they, you know, people haven't heard them before, so they're received differently or at least in a new way. I think it's important to to have roots of some sort, especially if you're successful. Like if you have the capital and the money to do something for your environment where you come from, like you need to do that and make sure the money goes back there and that you're actually giving it somebody else a chance or a stepping stool to where they can hopefully get to where you are or past where you are um, in a quicker time. Yeah. But uh, as far as like claiming where you're from, like that's cool. And it's important because people try to like put you in a box geographically. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said with Nelly, like people always associate him with St. Louis. So honestly, like you can set up your you can set up your uh, shop anywhere and claim that. Right. And that actually may work better for you in his case. Like, you know, and actually being from Texas, it makes sense that he does all the country stuff or, you know, did all this stuff. But um, it does you know, make sense. You, you, don't, you don't hear him, you know, talking about that on record. I'm like Austin, Texas, like, no, he, you know, he claims St. Louis. So it's not even I would say it is important, but it's really not if yeah. we're using even Nelly as a case study. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, Emira, you and Timothy being instrumentalists, knowing that we got some huge monarchs that came out of the city like Chuck Berry, uh, Tina Turner, you know, they both were Sumner High School um, alumni. How is it, is, is it important to follow in the footsteps of those people who, like Chuck Berry, like even the Beatles, they crowned him the king of rock and roll. You know what I mean? Um, is it important to follow in footsteps of those people who came out of your city who had huge success, especially when it comes to catering your art? Is it important to cater your art or to look for a more original sound? Um, For me, I would say it goes back to that thing of knowing yourself and just really knowing who you are. Because for some people, you know, they might, they might want to just be like Chuck Berry, you know? Right. For me, it was more of a of an original thing. Like growing up playing guitar, I didn't I didn't know nobody really who played guitar because I started in eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? Like it was kind of a like a rare a rare thing that happened. You yeah. know, um, so for me it was more like of an an original thing. But once I start to get you know exposure to people who did this, you yeah. know, then that made me want to you know definitely sharpen my craft and you know like put work in but as far as like sounding like the people or kind of mimicking them not so much and i feel like as creatives we kind of already do that you know when you listen to something so many times you know you kind of you yo you know you just kind of it just kind of start to sound a little bit like it you know so i started to like kind of distance myself and like just really listen to my instructor and like what they were teaching me and kind of like just filling it out like, you know, I wanted to, because reading music, we got taught how to read music. But me, I was more of the, like, feeling. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to just feel the music. I didn't really want it to be, like... So choreographed. Yeah, you know? And yeah. so, for me, it was like, I love hearing about these people, especially, like, Jimi Hendrix yeah. and those type of people. Like, and just seeing what they did, and it's definitely inspiring. And I think it's something to, like, 
run towards, but I wouldn't say I would. I was trying to like, you know, be held to that standard. Right. Like, cause I I knew what I wanted and what I didn't want. So for me, it was like it just like really for me, it kind of like knowing yourself, you know, for and sure. really what what do you want, you know? For sure, for sure. Right, right. What you think, Timmy? I mean, I think it's important to know, you know. First of all, anybody that's successful, it's not a bad idea to patent whatever you do. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on what your role is. Like I know for me, like I, I play guitar and I'm an artist, but from the production side, like I want to be able to be versed enough in enough genres and play it uh, authentically enough to where if somebody wants a Motown sounding record, I can deliver it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I do study specific things. Uh, knowing the Chuck Berry song is kind of important for me because, you know, how big he is. He, mm -hmm. he has a statue here. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of his family is still around, so it means a lot to them to see somebody else, you know, yeah. playing that stuff mm -hmm. or able to play it. And um, honestly, when it comes to Chuck Berry specifically, that's just like knowing your history musically a little bit and, yeah. and being able to play some blues and um, kind of yeah. know where that came from. So, I mean, yeah. it's important to some extent, at least from my aspect, you know, from what I do. But if you're just looking, you know, to build your own sound, then you can be inspired from them, but you don't have to actually learn what they're playing per se. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And um, they say success leaves clues. So, you know, I'm, I'm walking around trying to pick up the breadcrumbs. <laughs> um, so we're going to go ahead and kind of wrap it up. But before we go, I want to ask this last question and, and whoever decides to chime in will be dope. Um, just being here, being a part of the richness of our city for this time right now, with everything going on, having the connections that you all have, and just being super active. Where do you think the music scene for St. Louis is headed? Like in what direction, whether it's a specific genre, whether it's a specific type of organization you feel like is gonna flourish the most, but where do you see the music industry in St. Louis heading? Well, I see, considering we're sitting on one of the buildings uh, from Kranzberg Foundation, sure. I gotta give a huge shout out to them when it comes to St. Louis and their efforts. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to contract at the Dark Room, well, I still do whenever they have events, which mm -hmm. hasn't been for a while. Yeah. But I used to contract doing sound at the Jazz Club, um, you know, cause it's, it's some cool, you know, it's cool money for what they pay contractors, but it's also an opportunity for me not to have to be on stage and play. For sure. And I can listen to jazz musicians live and that really speaks to the richness of what St. Louis offers because like, it's cool to sample, but if you can make the samples, I think it's cooler personally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's still, jazz and blues is a huge part of St. Louis history. And considering they're keeping that alive, um, and moving to the digital market where they're streaming weekly um, and giving artists residencies, which is so important for people that, that live off of it. You know, yeah. uh, coming off of COVID, I, I was uh, doing a residency at Casino Queen. I was there every Friday. So having that check every Friday and then not having it there, I can feel <laughs> the difference a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got a, a Branson residency coming up. Um, well, it's being pushed to the end of the year. Yeah. But, you know, residencies are a big deal. So Kranzberg has done a great job at like keeping artists working. Even in these times, they still can platform. So uh, I think that's where it's headed um, with the Kranzberg Foundation doing what they're doing. As far as artists coming out and popping, I know a few artists, like I mentioned Lil Kells, he's, yeah. he's three times gold now and platinum. Hopefully the record that I produced for him goes gold. That'll be cool. We're gonna, we gonna pray for you, bro. We're gonna get it right. Yeah. I'm signing the papers today on it, so my split sheet. So that's that's a good sign. But um, I think that's kind of where it's going. Uh, you know, the internet makes everything a wild card, so it could go any direction. But I mean, obviously, it's gonna go more digital than it ever has before. We're on a podcast right now. 
you know, as where before we may have, maybe, you know, may have done this as like a live event or something. Yeah. And now we're not even thinking about that. We're thinking about building content that'll be around hopefully past, you know, even when we're all gone, people sure. can look back at this if they want to and, and see, you know, uh, what, what was your name again? Emira. Emira, like see what Emira was doing before she did this, you right. know, or before she had, they can look back at those interviews and see. So yeah. I think technology is where it's going. Uh, live music is also where it's going. People are getting yeah. back to understanding how important, uh, you know, playing a guitar can make you feel versus having a DJ spin a record for you. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Anybody else? I think uh, we've seen a lot of uh, pivots in the music industry. I've seen anyway, um, to where, like you was talking about content-wise, people are developing more content. Technically, they should have been doing already. Yeah. But now, with you having to, you know, be in your own little space, mm -hmm. to me, that if you if you have that drive in you, yeah. then this is this is like heaven for you. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's heaven for you. Like every day, like for for me, just being just thinking about it, like if I was an artist and I was making music. And I'm putting out a single or I'm putting out a record every week or whatever. Yeah. Like my mind is about to be wide open. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm serious. It's like so many different places that I could just go and just be with two or three people and make a video for that particular point and let that let that fly. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys, a lot of artists yeah. are going to start seeing it because you see now that they're doing all these award shows, this award you know, the end of right. the award show season, yeah. everybody's doing their little, all right, we got a pre-recorded performance yep. from <laughs> rapper Dude X. Yeah. You know, and next thing you know, he out here, he on the roof up here of Dot Zach, you know, <laughs> doing his doing his new single. Doing his thing, man. You know? And and that's what I, I love to see. I just don't want people to get caught up in the old ways of doing stuff. Yeah. Like I always tell people. I said the music industry is like a code or it's like it doesn't have a real nucleus to where you can say, oh, this is the vaccine I could put in there and make it all better. <laughs> right. No, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Every I think, year. I think Bill Gates will disagree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Man. But um, to say that, I, it's, it's, there's no real formula to making any of the music work. To a degree, it's just like you said earlier. It's it's a lottery. It's a lottery to a degree. But if you you can shrink those odds, if you have the discipline, mm. if you have the infrastructure and the capital to make it happen. That's it, man. I also want to throw this in too. I think appreciation for well, obviously content has already risen, but um, the appreciation for live music I yeah. think will be different when people come back because you don't really know what you have until it's gone. Very true. So when people get back in those environments, it's gonna, it should be a refreshing element. And then also, I mean, obviously it's going toward, you know, more towards content because people that have never done content are forced to learn how to make themselves have the same impact they had live or similar or try to and have it in the box and confines of a good quality mix and a good video, um, which is also kind of helping the a creative um, industry for studios and stuff. Yeah. So that's somewhere where my studio is starting to grow quite a bit is people booking out services to make sure their content sounds and looks good. Yeah. So for, for those people, this is a time where you can flourish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think people will take live music for granted no more after this. <laughs> Being in the house, man, and just 
in, a, in the four walls, they start to close in on you. Just even taking time out to appreciate those times you were spending with family. Like when we first went into quarantine, and I'll wrap it up, um, like I hadn't seen my grandmother in like three months. She's 96 and I'm used to seeing her like at least once a week. So, you know, I think once quarantine is over and, and people are really not too afraid to come out, we'll take that time to appreciate live music, appreciate those social interactions, um, and just appreciate one another, man, because quarantine, it, it's, it's stripped a lot. It, and it also displayed a lot. Like if you had that, that hunger in you, you probably produced 90 songs in quarantine. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't, you, you you some areas of weakness were exposed in you. Hey, so, hey, 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 you know? we're not going to say that's an area of weakness. <laughs> For some people, oh, some people, some people live off being social. They like, like, take for instance, when uh, Tupac was locked up in Rikers, he said he didn't write nothing. This is true. But this when he came true. out and got back and went man. to California and he got out, out there and got crazy, man, he dropped like, I don't know. A lot. A lot. <laughs> That's true, and so man. that happens to some people. You know it what I'm does. saying? When they when they get some people don't like being stuck in their regular day to day routine. Granted, they have a routine every day, yeah. but they like to be able to be free and roam about and absorb information yeah. and, and, and things of that nature. You know what I mean? I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, before we jump out of here, I want you guys to kind of shout yourself out, shout your channels out, your pages out. That way everybody who's listening right now can go follow you, support you, um, and just love on you. So if you guys don't mind, share, share your insight and your info, websites, social channels, all that good stuff. Okay, I'm easy. Hey, I'm Finsta. Follow me, Am St. Louis. Everywhere. A-M-P-S-T-L-O-U-I-S. Just type it in. You got it. All right, you can find me at whoistimothy.com. That's the easiest way to find me. Uh, I'm on a lot of platforms, but um, also go specifically check out my artist stuff, which is whoistimothy.us backslash videos. It has all 12 monthly videos uh, and songs from 2019, all of them made uh, by scratch, just by me within 30 days. Oh, um, I'm Emira. You can find me on Instagram at Emira Shanice. You spell my first name, E-M-E-A-R-A. Um, and you can find me on Facebook, Eddie Mara Burns. Yeah, so check me out. Guys, go check these guys out, man. They are doing some amazing work in our city, in our industry, and you will find something that's very volatile to what you're trying to do. Um, again, my name is Integrity. Grateful to be a part of this amazing episode of Stitchcast Studio titled The Richness of the Music in St. Louis. Remember, integrity matters the most when you're all by yourself. Peace. Thank you for listening. And last but not least, we want to give a very special shout out to the Stitchcast Studio sponsors. The City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2020, Stewart Family Foundation, and Missouri Foundation for Health. To learn more, visit storystitchers.org. Funded by Missouri Humanities Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. Story stitches.